BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. It is time to arrest Marjorie Taylor Greene for her 2019 violations of 18 United States Code 871, threats against president and successors to the presidency. Stochastic terrorists like Marjorie Taylor Greene have to be stopped now before something they inspired, something they publicly advocated, something they asked for happens, happens again. The Republicans have spent every hour since the assassination attempt at Nancy Pelosi's home Friday gaslighting truthering, both sidesing, whataboutting, conspiracy theory mongering, and exploiting the weak-minded like Elon Musk. Their enormous, desperate effort has clearly worked. 
The New York Times has shamed itself by downplaying the attack, and countless Democrats have been too weak-kneed to call it what it was, an assassination attempt on the person who is second in line in the presidential succession that is outlined in 18 U.S. Code 871. An assassination attempt inspired and invoked, a fuse prepared and lit by Republicans running the gamut from the head of the party's congressional campaign committee to a dangerous, deranged, fascistic creature who is truly the scum of the earth. Marjorie Taylor Greene might as well have been in Nancy Pelosi's house handing David DePappy the bag full of duct tape and the zip ties and the hammer. Marjorie Taylor Greene rose to prominence by threatening Nancy Pelosi, by violating 18 United States Code 871, by telling crowds, quote, it's a crime punishable by death is what treason is. Nancy Pelosi is guilty of treason and she is a traitor and she's dying in Congress or in one video she posted to Facebook in January 2019 and then mysteriously deleted later saying all of that all at the same time. She's a traitor to our country. She's guilty of treason. She took an oath to protect American citizens and uphold our laws. And she gives aid and comfort to our enemies who illegally invade our land. That's what treason is. And by our law, representatives and senators can be kicked out and no longer serve in our government. And it's a, it's a crime punishable by death is what treason is. Nancy Pelosi is guilty of treason, and we want her out of our government. She's held her seat of power for 32 years. She's 78 years old. She is dying in Congress. 18 United States Code 871 was written originally about threats made by mail, but it has been expanded. It says that whoever makes, quote, any threat to take the life of, to kidnap, or to inflict bodily harm upon the president of the United States, the president-elect, the vice president, or other officer next in the order of succession to the office of president, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than five years or both. That's Marjorie Taylor Greene. All that is missing is the imbecilic smile. Arrest her. What was that Facebook video? if not a string of direct threats. And how much longer do we have to indulge people like Green who try to inspire others to do the violent work for them? How many Republicans are we going to let reach the David DePappies of this country stochastically so that they go out and hunt Nancy Pelosi or Gavin Newsom or me or you? How much longer do we have to indulge Tom Emmer? Five days ago, Tom Emmer, the chairman of the NRCC, the National Republican Congressional Committee, its chief campaign body for the congressional seats, tweeted video of himself that sounded like this. To that accompaniment, Tom Emmer wrote, enjoyed exercising my Second Amendment rights, hashtag fire Pelosi. Tom Emmer has evaded answering the obvious question. Were the gun and the Pelosi hashtag connected? He doesn't have to answer it. He doesn't have to waste time. Of course they are. If they weren't, why would you have her name, Pelosi, 
as the last word placed directly above the video of you firing a gun at a shooting range. Arrest Tom Emmer. There is no mystery to this. The Republicans have spent more than a decade demonizing Nancy Pelosi. They made a fire Pelosi video of her in 2010, her face engulfed in flames. Taylor Greene got elected by threatening her life. Their brown shirts breached the Capitol in 2021, chanting, where's Nancy, just as DePappy chanted it last Friday. They have been hunting her, and on Friday, one of them nearly caught her and instead caught her husband and sent him into surgery by changing plans from securing him with zip ties and duct tape until Pelosi got home and then doing the same to her and worse thereafter. And in the wake of the years of irrefutable cause and effect evidence, the Republicans play dumb. It comes naturally to them. Tom Emmer's tweet wasn't about shooting Nancy Pelosi. Of course not. It was about the Second Amendment. And anyway, what about Steve Scalise and Brett Kavanaugh and crime is terrible in San Francisco and that's a Democrat city in a Democrat state? This just proves our point. You know who's really responsible for the attempted assassination of Nancy Pelosi? Nancy Pelosi and the soft on crime Democrats. But then they still had to come up with something, anything that could turn the hard evidence of the crime into something, anything else. And in this they were aided by a sloppy, lousy reporter in his third year at the Fox station in the Bay Area. His name is Evan Cernofsky, and Friday he quoted sources as saying that David DePappy was found in the Pelosi home wearing only his underwear. This was the only person to report that. Everybody who repeated it was repeating the work of Evan Cernofsky. None of them are repeating Evan Cernofsky's retraction, quote, I'm now told by other sources that DePappy was not dressed only in underwear, working to clarify. Not working hard enough, Mr. Sanofsky. You need to reassess your career choice. This is too complicated for you. The right wing grabbed the Sarnofsky fake detail and concocted the kind of nonsensical fantasy that would satisfy their supporters who live all the days of their lives in a world of nonsensical fantasy. And then the coup de grace came from another stupid man with money, money that originated in the world of apartheid South Africa and a Zambian emerald mine. Elon Musk, too stupid or too amoral to know what he was doing, or both, tweeted out the conspiracy theory, adding his own additional ounce of personalized idiocy. There is a tiny possibility there may be more to this story than meets the eye. And there it was, a link to a right-wing troll site, a fake newspaper so notorious and more importantly so obvious that it once posted that Hillary Clinton had died and had been replaced for a debate by a body double. It once posted that Trump had appointed Kanye West to the Department of the Interior. It once posted that Bill Gates caused polio once posted that COVID-19 could be cured with sunlight. Good enough for Elon Musk. Musk sent this around the world, waited seven hours to delete it, said nothing when he did delete it, and when called on it, he mocked those who caught him in such an egregious violation of the content rules that he says are still in force on Twitter that the tweet by itself should have gotten him suspended by himself. Hidden behind 
the more obvious elements of this nightmare, which is the new Republican fascist party in microcosm and watched at fast forward speed, violence, threats, denial, conspiracy theory, fantasy, all in one weekend, is something almost as risky as that Republican fascist party in microcosm. Much of the mainstream coverage of the assassination attempt has not only not called it that, has not only posited that both sides do this and everybody just needs to simmer down, but worst of all, suggests that this mainstreaming of political violence or the threat of violence is something new or recent. Please note, I am not equating my role in this country nor the downsides of my role with that of any elected official. But my story in this area by itself proves that the Republican Party has stood for, and it has stood for, the threat of murder and assassination for at least two decades. On September 26, 2006, at my home, I opened an envelope bearing a California postmark and a sticky substance that looked like talcum powder mixed with Drano fell out of the envelope. There was a note which said it was anthrax, now I and other liberals would get a taste of our own medicine. I knew the odds of it being anthrax were extraordinarily small. The guy who sent the actual anthrax letters apparently killed himself by mishandling it, and he was an expert in the field. On the other hand, what if I was wrong? My apartment building was filled with elderly residents. So I made a phone call, and the cops showed up, and the FBI and Homeland Security. They said, of course, it's not anthrax, but we have to act like it is. What if we're wrong? The hazmat squad came in. They set up a command post in the building. They swept my apartment. They burned my phone. And they said, okay, now you have to go to the emergency room for tests. It turned out the same source had sent other letters with the same fake anthrax to people like the chairman of CBS and David Letterman's office and the wrong John Stewart and Nancy Pelosi. 2006, and ultimately this same guy sent me three more letters and was arrested as FBI agents watched him mail the last of these letters. And his online footprint showed him to be a Republican Fox News Laura Ingram addict. And of course, when the FBI asked me to not report on what had happened for 24 hours to give them a shot at catching the guy, the New York Post broke the embargo and ran a picture of me with the headline, Powder Puff Spooks Keith, making fun of my inability to tell the difference between real anthrax and fake anthrax, and making sure to identify me as, quote, a frequent critic of President Bush's policies. There have been less dramatic threats. They started in 2003 and they continued for criticizing Bush, for criticizing Trump, for criticizing Joe Rogan. They continued until, what time is it now? The largest of these threats came on November 13th, 2018. I had gone back to ESPN by then, twice in fact. Then somebody in the network's personnel office emailed me. There is nothing to be alarmed at, no threat, he wrote, but I just got a call regarding the nut job from Florida that was sending pipe bombs to the Obamas, Clinton, CNN, etc., the FBI scrubbed his computer, and they found a list of other names on his computer. Unfortunately, your name was on that list. The FBI wanted to brief me, so I got on the phone and I spoke to Agent Randy, a veteran of the fake anthrax case of 2006. 
We joked a little bit about this. I guess I felt some solace in that I was not among the people that Cesar Sayoc, the so-called MAGA bomber who drew on his own hair, actually sent bombs to. I was just on his second wave list, the one he never got a chance to act against. My point is, if that's what they've done to the mostly irrelevant me, threatening death and violence is the Republican Party. And we must act against it. Arresting Marjorie Taylor Greene and Tom Emmer under 18 United States Code 871 could be a good start. Could, in fact, be the best thing to ever happen to them. Because for 20 years now, whenever a Republican stochastic call for violence against a Democrat has crystallized into reality, as it did last Friday, after the shock has worn out, I have always thought the same thing, and I thought it again last Friday. Don't the Republicans recognize that if you tell the violent people on the fringes of sanity and the fringes of reality and the fringes of this society that assassination and violence is an admissible means of affecting political change, doesn't Marjorie Taylor Greene ever wonder how in the hell can you be sure that everybody you reach will be a Republican and every person they victimize will be a Democrat and not the other way round? Still ahead, lost behind all this, there was a huge development in the Department of Justice investigation of Trump's stolen documents. Why would the Justice Department have added to its team one of the foremost prosecutors of terrorism? Great ad, Chris Kobach, the one where you show Tiger Woods and the words cop killer together. There was a perfect game in the World Series over the weekend. You may have missed that. And in things I promise not to tell, it's Brian Williams Day. Brian Williams lied about a chopper in Iraq, but I thought I was the one going crazy. And what the then president of NBC News told me seven years ago this past weekend about why they did not fire Brian Williams for doing that when they really, 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 really wanted to fire him. That's next. This is Countdown. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... 
you buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd, cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. This is Countdown with Keith Oberman. Still ahead, the World Series perfect game nobody's talking about. Plus, why you need to really look at your campaign ad before you say, I'm Chris Kobach and I approved this message implying that Tiger Woods killed a cop. First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need whom you can help every dog has its day. Got to help this guy if only for his name. He could die as early as Tuesday in the New York Pound. He is a 68-pound two-year-old found on the streets of Staten Island. He was very calm. He likes people. He doesn't react to dogs. He is afraid of mailboxes. And if you adopt him, keep him away from any dog named Brutus because he is named Drulius Caesar. Your pledges to help a rescue pull him in time will be deeply appreciated. Julius Caesar will be in the pinned tweet on my account for dogs in need. Tom Jumbo Grumbo, your pledge, big or small, will be gratefully welcomed, as will be your retweet of Julius Caesar's story, not on the Ides of March. And thank you very much. Julius Caesar. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some insights, some snark. Dateline Rio de Janeiro. Former President Luiz Inácio da Silva Lula has apparently unseated Jair Bolsonaro in the Brazilian presidential election. 50.83 to 49.17 in yesterday's runoff. He has tweeted a photo of his hand over the Brazilian flag with the caption, Democracy. Bolsonaro, a would-be dictator who had his head of highways close roads in some pro-Lula districts so voters couldn't 
get to the polls is not likely to take defeat gracefully. And let's just clarify this. This is Lula, now third term president of Brazil, not Lulu, who sang the theme from the Sidney Poitier film To Sir With Love. Dateline Washington, it got lost in the Pelosi assassination attempt news, but there's been a major change on the Justice Department team investigating Mar-a-Lago and Trump's nuclear kleptomania. The Washington Post says it has added David Raskin, terrorism prosecutor. David Raskin helped convict Zacharias Moussaoui as a 9-11 conspirator, and he prosecuted one of the 1998 U.S. Embassy bombers, too. He was working on January 6th, but he's been shifted to the documents case, implying justice is looking now at espionage charges against Trump, treason, terrorism, all of the above. Dateline Lancaster, Pennsylvania, again with the anti-Semitism. Doug Mastriano, the fascist anti-Semite party candidate for governor from Pennsylvania, that would be the Republican Party, was quizzed by reporter Nathan Gutman of Israel's KAN News about his campaign's attacks on Josh Shapiro's Judaism, the Jewish school that Josh Shapiro went to, the Mastriano connection to the anti-Semitic site Gab, etc., Not only did this not go well for Mastriano, but there was a bonus when Mastriano's idiot wife took umbrage. Your rivals, Jewish school, and previous associations you had with Gab, social network. Yeah, so... I would like to make a comment on that real quick. Thank you. I'm just going to say as a family, we we so much love Israel. In fact, I'm going to say we probably love Israel more than a lot of Jews do. I have to say that because, and the reason why I say that is because um, I've given and Doug, we've given for, I would say, at least 10 years to outreach to Israel and Jerusalem. Um, We have, I have visited um, Israel, we say for five years. Problems there, of course, obviously conflating being Jewish with supporting Israel. And while we don't know which groups Mrs. Mastriano was referring to that she donated to, both Mastrianos have been connected to these fundamentalist nutjob outfits that believe in a rapture that follows only after all the Jews go to Jerusalem and either convert or die. And the punchline of punchlines, Mastriano's wife is named Rebecca, but she answers only to Rebbe. Different spelling, but in Hasidic Judaism, a Rebbe is the big spiritual leader. Who's going to tell her? Dateline San Francisco, Musk, again, a report from the site Platformer, that he's figured out how to monetize Twitter and resolve the blue check question, force verified users to join Twitter Blue at five bucks a month or lose the verified blue check. As Emily Gorsensky notes, quote, there are about 300,000 verified Twitter accounts. If every single account opted to pay this fee, this would bring in about 18 million in revenue yearly. That's enough to pay off the $44 billion purchase price in slightly less than 2,500 years. Plus, it's not like the problem of fake accounts isn't already big enough. I mean, I just checked. There are 38 Keith Ulbermans on Twitter. And if that thought disturbs you, think of how I feel about it. This is SportsCenter. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is... 
Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, you missed it, didn't you? Only the second perfect game in World Series history, Saturday night in Houston. Huh? The Astros beat the Phillies 5-2. There were seven pitchers in the game, only two of whom even managed to pitch one inning of hitless ball. What do you mean, perfect game? No, it was a perfect game by the home plate umpire. There's a website called Ump Scorecards, which compares the umpire's ball and strike calls to what the computers say. Pat Hoiberg had 129 ball and strike calls in Game 2 of the World Series, and he got... All 129 of them right. 89 strikes that were strikes and 40 balls that were balls. This is not just the first World Series perfect game by a home plate umpire. It's the first in any game in the three years they have been doing this. Ump Scorecards points out that during the regular season, Hoiberg got 96% of his calls right. So naturally, he'll be behind home plate again for game three tonight in Philadelphia. No, he won't. They rotate them. They used to use the best umpires in the best situations a long time ago. Hank O'Day, who is in the Hall of Fame, umpired the plate in six out of the eight games of the 1903 World Series, and then three out of the five games in 1907, and they only had two umpires in those days. Pat Hoiberg, the perfect umpire. Thank you, Nancy Faust. The other World Series notes, when a Houston player tried to hit with a bat borrowed from now-retired superstar Albert Pujols, it was casually revealed that baseball had banned Pujols' bat of choice in 2010 because the wood it used, maple, was at high risk of injuring people if it shattered. Shattered. Shadoobie. But it let Pujols continue to use an otherwise illegal bat for the last 12 seasons and the last 304 home runs of his career. And as his sport plays its first championship since 1950 with no African-American players on the field, Commissioner Rob Manfred defended Fox Television for running racist commercials during the playoffs, commercials done under the aegis of Stephen Miller, also known by his stage name Nosferatu. Fox is a great partner of ours, Commissioner Manfred said. I don't think it's fair to them to get into private conversations that we may or may not have had. That man is an idiot. And responding to a tweet about LGBTQ soccer fans planning to boycott the World Cup because of Qatar's legalized homophobia, an Al Jazeera columnist from Qatar named Abdullah Alamadi tweeted, quote, what a blessed moment. We are not honored to welcome such abnormal ideas and tendencies. We're looking forward to have a clean sporting event without homosexuals or troublemakers, unquote. Not if uh, the players all boycott your little World Cup, Sonny. Two weeks ago, the head of FIFA said everyone is welcome at the World Cup in Qatar. And what he meant by that, of course, was everybody's money is welcome. Boycott the World Cup. Coming up, it's Brian Williams Day in Things I Promise Not to Tell. Although, frankly, he could feed neatly into the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze, Rishi Sunak, the winner of the latest London Daily Mail Prime Minister for a Week contest. And we'd like to congratulate him on making it to his one-week anniversary. Let me know when they named Doctor Who Prime Minister. 
Anyway, Sunak has already violated the first rule of the original House of Cards series, the good one, the British one, in which Prime Minister Francis Urquhart warns a photo opportunity at a hospital. Oh, dear. He thought he was just patting an elderly woman patient on the head. No, he got much more than he bargained for. And, and they've looked after you really nicely? Yeah, they always do. Yeah. It's because you don't pay them all. Well, we are trying. We are no, trying. No, you're not trying. You need to try harder. Right, I will take that away. Mm, take that away. Conveniently, since she cut him open like that, Sunak was already at a hospital. The runner-up, Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, who it says went to Harvard, but I'm going to need to see his transcript. General Motors. GM suspended advertising on Twitter in large part because, uh, well, they make cars. And the new owner of Twitter also makes cars, but a different brand. But that's not what Senator Cotton sees. He sees a chance to threaten a private industry with governmental recriminations the way they do it in Russia or the Middle East. Quote, Corporations should think carefully before throwing in their lot with the far left of the Democratic Party. It is, of course, funny to begin with to think of Cotton encouraging anybody to, quote, think carefully. On the other hand, all his Republican colleagues will see is him correctly calling it the Democratic Party rather than the Democrat. He'll be beaten severely for that. But our winner, one of the greatest underachievers of American politics, Chris Kobach, the Trump election fraud guy who couldn't find any election fraud and maybe even worse, he couldn't make up any election fraud. Having lost races to be senator from Kansas and then governor of Kansas, he's now the Republican nominee for attorney general of Kansas. And he has a problem today. And it's a legal problem, ironically enough. Kobach's campaign put out an ad slamming his opponent for opposing the death penalty. Right in the middle of this ad, there's a shot of a dark-skinned guy being led off by two cops. At the top of the screen in red, it says, no capital punishment. And at the bottom in blue, it says, for cop killers, which is fine, I guess, except for one problem. The dark-skinned guy in Chris Kobach's ad is Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods! A spokesman says, that was an ad agency error. We caught it and fixed it within minutes. Well, yeah, maybe. Except don't all those political ads end with, I'm Chris Kobach and I approve this message, which I show Tiger Woods and have the words COP KILLERS over his picture. No comment yet from Tiger, nor anything on what his plans are for after he sues Kobach for $11 billion and then owns Kobach's ass for life. Chris, maybe I should have used a picture of LeBron Kobach, today's worst person! In the... Always look at the ad first. World! BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. 
like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Out of the number one story on the countdown and my favorite topic, me, and the day I tried to save Brian Williams. And the anniversary of the day I found out why NBC did not fire Brian Williams. The seventh anniversary was over the weekend. But first, we start on Thursday, January 29th, 2015, after I finished my late afternoon sportscast on ESPN2. I walked the 10 blocks to New York's Madison Square Garden to see the New York Rangers-Montreal Canadiens hockey game, and within two hours, not only was I convinced I had a profound brain injury or illness, but a catastrophe would occur so all-encompassing in its sweep that it would end the then very active negotiations to, what else, put countdown back on MSNBC. Also, the Rangers got shut out one nothing. I went to the game with Bill Wolf, a former ESPN colleague from 20 years earlier, whom I had met again at MSNBC and who was, in fact, the first executive producer of The Rachel Maddow Show. We had not seen each other in a while, and he had just left that job, and so, as the skilled youth of many nations cavorted below us, threatening each other with sticks and razor-sharp skates, we caught up on things. And that's when it happened. At least once per period in a National Hockey League game, an ordinary stoppage of play is turned into a lengthy delay during which the television broadcasters catch up on any unplayed commercials. The TV timeout. And during one of these TV timeouts, 
The public address announcer at the Garden, Joe Tollison, said, Ladies and gentlemen, please direct your attention to the video screen at Center Ice, where the anchor and managing editor of NBC Nightly News, Brian Williams, will... I didn't actually hear the next part. At hearing Brian's name, my friend Bill Wolf shouted, F me! And I let out a low groan. Since 1997, I have done my absolute best to like Brian Williams. I have stuck my neck out for Brian Williams. I have advocated for Brian Williams. I have forgiven Brian Williams. And none of it has been enough. No person in my 43 years as a full-time professional broadcaster has been as insecure nor as mocked behind his back as has Brian. It is too bad. He is brilliantly talented. And this will never be enough for him. He is one of those who can only be successful if he has convinced himself he has taken away some of the success from those around him. I've been accused of many, many things, but never that. In the 90s, Brian Williams used to appear in the middle of my MSNBC show with a promo for his MSNBC show, which followed mine. One night I said that in five minutes we'd be previewing President Clinton's itinerary in Africa, Nairobi, Addis Ababa, Dar es Salaam, Johannesburg. But first, with a preview of the news with Brian Williams, here's Brian Williams. Brian Williams? And he said, thanks, Keith. As someone who's actually been to those places all the time with this. Anyway, when Wolf and I came out of our respective rages, we heard this over the Garden PA system. During the Iraq invasion, U.S. Army Command Sergeant Major Tim Turpak was responsible for the safety of Brian Williams and his NBC News team after their Chinook helicopter was hit and crippled by enemy fire. I began to sweat. Command Sergeant Major Turpak was awarded three bronze stars for combat valor in Iraq and recently retired after 23 years in the U.S. Army. Both men, both Rangers fans, have been reunited for the first time in 12 years for tonight's game. Please welcome Command Sergeant Major Tim Turpak and Brian Williams. Bill Wolf swore again. My reaction was different. I started to get lightheaded and then immediately very, very worried. Bill, I said in a voice so low that Bill had to lean in to hear me, do you know a good neurologist? Bill laughed. For Brian? It wasn't a pleasant laugh. He won't go to a neurologist, good or otherwise, unless he can get videotape of it and put it on the effing screen here at Madison Square Garden. And I said, no, no, that's, that's not what I, what I mean. I mean. I mean one for me. I... I I was anchoring on MSNBC the, the night, the Brian Williams story about the, the helicopters and the, and the RPG in Iraq. I went on to tell Bill that that's all I did my first month back at MSNBC in 2003. They rehired me only because they did not have enough anchors to cover a war. And I was on that night. And that story about Brian's chopper getting hit, that's not the way I remember it, Bill. My brain is going... I remember a different story, and I mean, I don't even remember leading the show with it. My God, if the heir apparent as the anchor of NBC Nightly News was shot down over the desert in the middle of the Iraq war, we would have left with, led with it. I don't remember leading with it. I'm only 56. I'm way too young for dementia. It must be a tumor or something. Do you know a good neurologist, Bill? Bill Wolf was, as usual, pretty cool under the circumstances, and he said, I think maybe you should relax because I don't think it's you. I think it's him. 
because I remember that story too, Bill said, and that's not the way he told it in 2003. I think Brian has changed the story. When I got home after the Rangers lost that night, I looked up everything I could about March 26, 2003, and the fact that Brian Williams was an NBC News field reporter embedded with troops in Iraq and in the helicopters with them, and that this was not some sort of PR stunt. We had another prominent anchor named David Bloom who hosted the Today Show on the weekends and had succeeded Brian as our NBC White House correspondent, and David Bloom had died in Iraq because after weeks of twisting himself into the shape of a pretzel to fit inside a tank, he suffered deep vein thrombosis and he was dead because they couldn't treat him in time. I even found a video cassette with the hours I anchored on MSNBC on March 26, 2003, and I saw Brian's report and I heard him say that he and an NBC analyst Retired General Wayne Downing had been on the ground preparing to take off as part of the last helicopters in a convoy flying over an Iraqi desert when they got word that a chopper an hour ahead of them had been threatened by gunfire and was then forced to make an emergency landing because of a sandstorm. I remember thinking then in 2003, then in 2015, and now in 2022 that being in the helicopter when they are shooting at the helicopters, is an act of sufficient bravery that you could brag on yourself forever. I would have been bragging thusly. Hey, I'm a civilian. I went up in the chopper anyway, and I did not crap my pants. The end. I would have been stopping passersby to tell them that. As I continued to research this, I realized that in the ensuing dozen years, Brian Williams had slowly changed the story almost imperceptibly, almost every time he had retold it. Soon, the chopper was hit by the RPG that actually missed it. Then, the chopper that was hit was not an hour ahead of them. It was the one right in front of them. Soon, they were all part of the group that could claim, quote, we were the northernmost Americans in Iraq. And by 2013, Brian was claiming it was his chopper that got hit. In real time, the next day, Friday, January 30th, 2015, we found out why Brian had done the thing at the hockey game with Command Sergeant Major Turpak. He played a clip of it on NBC Nightly News. And that is when a lot of Iraq vets began to speak up with memories that agreed with Brian on one detail only. Yeah, it happened in Iraq. I saw the clip from the Rangers game. And I saw the train rack coming up behind it for Brian and for NBC News, and I started emailing my remaining friends at NBC. Get him drunk, I wrote to one executive. Then take him into his office and scatter empty liquor bottles all around and call in photographers from the New York Post, the New York Daily News, and then explain he's going to rehab. You don't have to say anything else. Rehab is the get-out-of-jail-free card. He comes back in a month, and they'll throw a freaking parade for him. To a former boss still at NBC, I sent this email. Put him on tonight and at the start of nightly have him say this. I'm taking a voluntary leave of absence for fill-in-the-blank days. And during that time, the entirety of my salary will be donated to fill-in-the-blank with any military charity. Because while I did not intend to exaggerate my experience in Iraq in 2003, 
Being hit by small arms fire is bad enough. Being behind the helicopter that got hit with an RPG is worse. Nevertheless, I did exaggerate it. And a newsman cannot make a mistake like that without consequences. Thank you for your forbearance. Now for the rest of tonight's newscast, here is fill in the name of NBC employee number whatever. I added a postscript to my old boss. Do this and he could still swerve out of this. But everybody in management at NBC News was asleep at the switch during this crisis. They're in action by News President Deborah Turnus, who now runs BBC apparently, did not bring the Williams catastrophe to the attention of Comcast News Chief Pat Philly, and that would eventually cost both of them their jobs. Since I was at that exact moment negotiating directly with Pat Philly to put Countdown back on MSNBC, that also went down over the desert. Philly's successor was Andy Lack. He resumed the Countdown negotiations with me at the Essex House the following fall. That was in New York on October 29th, 2015, just past the anniversary of that. Lack was moaning to me about Brian, whom he said he was ready to resign outright and was willing to go without much of a stink and without demanding much of a settlement. But it was Brian's wife, Lack said, who pointed out that there was a termination clause, which was written by the self-same Andy Lack the previous time Andy Lack ran NBC News, that meant if Brian were fired for cause, he would be owed twice whatever salary was left on his contract. His wife, Lack said, is a goddamn Pat Nixon in this. So instead of firing him and owing him twice as much money for some reason, nice contract, Lack, Lack reassigned Brian to cover any breaking news during the Little Watch daytime hours of MSNBC and then eventually gave him his own show there at 11 p.m. The punchline, of course, is that back in February of 2015, when it turned out Brian had lied about Iraq, and also maybe lied about seeing a dead body float past him during Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, and about being mugged while selling Christmas trees when he was in high school, and about saving a puppy when he was a volunteer firefighter. I felt dreadful for him. I thought this might be fixable. And you know who else felt it might be fixable and felt dreadful for him? Our mutual friend, David Letterman. And I was going on Dave's show, and I said to Dave, listen, I think Brian's career should not end because of this. He just needs help. He's a compulsive exaggerator. If you want to give me the opening to say that while I'm on with you, just do it. If, if you don't, don't. I won't bring it up myself. Dave is a very loyal man. And Dave gave me the opening, and then after I defended Brian, he joined me, and at that point, we were literally the only two people working in television to speak out for Brian. Not only was it six weeks before Brian as much as sent me an email of thanks, but David told me he never heard from Brian, and I haven't heard from Brian since 2015. And there is another punchline. As I came off the Letterman stage that night that he and I both defended Brian Williams, a producer took me aside and said it was a nice thing to do, but was I sure I wanted to get involved in this? And I shrugged my shoulders and I said, who knows? Why do you ask? And he said, because one night when Brian was coming on the Letterman show, it was the anniversary of the Iraq helicopter story. And in the pre-interview, Brian explained to this producer that when they got hit by the RPG, which didn't happen, 
This command Sergeant Major Turpak had been injured, which didn't happen, and when they landed on the desert floor, which didn't happen, Brian treated Turpak's injury and dressed Turpak's wound himself. But then Brian said, maybe I should keep that between us. I guess we were lucky Brian Williams never claimed that he saved the helicopter crew by catching the missile with his teeth. I've done all the damage I can do here. Since you've listened this far, help me out a bit. Spread the word. Tell somebody about this podcast. Get them to subscribe to it. Here are our credits. Most of the music, including our theme you're hearing now from Beethoven's Ninth, was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel. They are the Countdown Musical Directors. All the orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray, produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections throughout have been arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. The sports music, the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, which played the day of the Brian Williams hockey announcement, was written by Mitch Warren Davis, and it appears here courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments from Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was John Dean. Everything else is pretty much my fault. So that's Countdown for this, the 664th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him now while we still can. A new episode tomorrow. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free 